Hello, everyone, and welcome back to episode three of the Outsider Baseball Podcast. Uh, it's been a while since we recorded, but I've got some good episodes in the pipeline, so I'm glad you came back to rejoin us. And today we've got a great one. We have Jorge Colon Delgado. He is the official historian of the Puerto Rican Baseball League and the general coordinator of the Puerto Rican Professional Baseball Hall of Fame. And we talked quite a bit about that. Uh, I became uh, connected with Jorge. He reached out a while back, and we started doing... Uh, live webinar sessions on the Negro League players in Puerto Rico and the special connection between the Negro Leagues in Puerto Rico. So many great stars went down there to play in the winters and they really, really enjoyed it and really, really dominated. It was a great league uh, quality-wise. It was a great league uh, quality of life-wise for these players. They didn't have to be subjected to the racism that they had in the United States. Uh, and I have loved learning from Jorge about not only this other side of the uh, Negro League players' careers, uh, but also some of the players that came from Puerto Rico. And we get into Perucha Cepeda, who's the father of Orlando Cepeda. We get into Pancho Coimbre, who is one of the greatest players in the history of the island as well. And of course, we touched on, on stars like Roberto Clemente and uh, other uh, Negro League stars who are in the uh, Puerto Rican Baseball Hall of Fame, such as Willard Brown and Satchel Paige, Josh Gibson, and some that may be less well-known, such as Bob Thurman. So I really enjoyed this conversation. Uh, we didn't get to everything that we wanted to. We basically touched on the first class of, of 10 players that were inducted in 1991, and we talked about uh, the new class from this year a little bit. But we're going to get Jorge on again to chat about the rest of the, the classes because I want to know about not only the stars that I'm familiar with, but I want to know who the other players were that made it into the Hall of Fame that maybe are lesser known uh, on a quote-unquote major league basis. Um, we do touch on a couple of those. Uh, you're going to hear about some pitchers with like nearly 400 career wins that uh, are in the, the Puerto Rican Baseball Hall of Fame. So uh, buckle up. This is going to be a great one. And uh, yeah, once again, thanks for joining us, and we'll be back with more soon. to the Outsider Baseball Notebook. I am joined this time by Jorge Colon Delgado. How are you doing, Jorge? Hi, Alan. I'm very happy to be with you. So Jorge, uh, I have collaborated with Jorge before on the Negro Leaguers for Puerto Rico series. We did four live webinars, and we will be picking it up again uh, in February. Uh, so Jorge, can you kind of give an introduction of who you are and uh, what it is that you do? Well, I, I, I am the official historian of the Puerto Rico Baseball League and they named me last October uh, general coordinator of the Baseball Hall of Fame. I have written a seven books. I have one short film. And I have been studying baseball from up Puerto Rico since 1999. Mm -hmm. And my main goal is that the history of baseball of, of Puerto Rico be known in the United States because I feel that we are behind that. I think we are behind Cuba, for example. And we have a rich history. We have, a, as a matter of fact, we have 55 Hall of Famers. We have, we are the country with more representation of uh, in baseball Hall of Fame in Cooperstown. So there's a lot of history of Puerto Rico, as you know, and I'm grateful that you uh, talk about Puerto Rico. Thank you so much. And uh, I know that you're very interested in Puerto Rico. So. I need uh, about five or six more Adams <laughs> <laughs> to talk about Puerto Rico. Oh, I, I appreciate it. I have learned so much about it recently, just in, in my process of learning about the, the Negro Leagues. And Puerto Rico just stands out as this incredible melting pot of, of players from the Negro Leagues, from you know native Puerto Rican players from the, the islands, some of them who never even came over to play in the United States. And mm -hmm. also, you know, white, uh, white major leaguers as well would come over there as well. And it's it's been really, really interesting to, to learn about the history of the league from you. 
And uh, one thing that's been interesting to me is that on the Negro Leaguers for Puerto Rico, uh, Negro Leaguers in Puerto Rico site and on Baseball 101, you have so many statistics too. So you can learn about the, the facts and feats that these players accomplished when they were over there. It's their stories, but there's also numbers that I love to see too. And that's great. Yes, that, that, that I began Baseball 101 10 years ago, but I digitalized uh, all the, almost all the records of the Puerto Rico Baseball League in three years ago, because I knew that if I digitalize, it will be available for everyone. So, so because if you write books, it's only some people that are going to buy your books. But when you have it in internet, you know that uh, many people can, there's um, access for everyone. And so then when in December, 2020, uh, they declare seven organized Negro Leagues, major league, then I, I prepare uh, Negro leaguers in Puerto Rico. That's on the other website, and that's one. That one is is in English, yes. uh, and 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 I, I have noticed in three years that people like yourself and other people, uh, Josh Gibson Foundation, for example, Thomas Kern, uh, they they like uh, that site because there's so much information about the Negro leaguers that they didn't know. So. I think little by little we're take, we're going to we're going we have a good pace. Yes, uh, and I have to say for the listeners out there, if you use baseball101.com through Google Translate, it translates very well. So you can there's a lot more players on there as well, and a lot more biographical information. You get to see you know who led the league and what. There's there's a lot of record pages. It's wonderful. Um, Thank you. Today we're here to talk about the Hall of Fame. Uh, in Puerto Rico. And I wanted to to ask you about how you got involved with this. It seems like it's kind of a reboot of the Hall of Fame, really. Uh, can you talk yeah. about the history of the Hall of Fame in Puerto Rico? You know, the first uh, in, uh, induction was in 1991. I was there as a fan and I went there because I wanted to meet Bob Thurman. Mm -hmm. And I met him and he signed me a ball and uh, the, the magazine. And uh, I never, never expected many years later that I will be, you know, part of that uh, working for uh, the Hall of Fame. And that was, they, they, they uh, the, the person that was responsible for that Hall of Fame in 1991 was uh, Rafael Costas from Ponce, along with a group of other sportsmen. And uh, they made four inductions, 1991, 1992, 1996. But it was very expensive. Uh, they brought to Puerto Rico, Bob Thurman, they brought uh, Leon Day. And I talked with one of, there are four that are alive. And one of them told me we paid that loan many years after that because it was from our pocket, you know. We got, we, we ran with the expenses. And then 1996, it's, it disappeared. And I began to work with the league as official historian four years ago. And I said, we have to have, we have to have a Hall of Fame. We know that I knew that we had one. I knew that I know that Mexico has one. And uh, I talked with uh, uh, the president of the league, Juan Antonio Flores Garza, and I told him, hey, listen, uh, we have to revive this Hall of Fame. And I explained, and he said, okay, go ahead. But what happens is that he told me rapidly, go ahead, but it then came the, you know, the, the pandemic and COVID and everything stopped. Now with things are more, a little bit more normal. Last year, he told me, well, next year we're going to do it. And we made it to, to uh, December 16th, 2022 in Ponce. Why Ponce? Because in Ponce, first of all, in Ponce, the first Hall of Fame was born. And second of all, the, the, the professional baseball league was born in Ponce in 1938. So it's like a little bit of Cooperstown, you know, yeah, uh, a little bit. And uh, that's why it is in Ponce. That's the second largest city in Puerto Rico, beautiful city. It's, a, it's, the, it's the past in the present, very beautiful piece, uh, uh, city. So that, that's the story about the, the Hall of Fame. Then we did documentaries every, every, uh, for every inducted, we made a small, in a documentary with the highlights. Now we're going to make a, a web page in Spanish and English this year. 
uh, we're gonna make a, a video of the other 42 that don't have because mm -hmm. they only have eight videos. So we're gonna do 42 more. So uh, the the music, the Hall of Fame was gonna be in the uh, Pancho Coimbra Museum in Ponce. Pancho Coimbra has a museum in Ponce, so that will be uh, the our our home. Pancho Coimbra Museum, and we're going to have, uh, you know, uh, projectors and people can see who is, I send you uh, the video of the of the 52 Hall of Famers. Yes. So we, we're going to we're going to do a lot of that type of work. Excellent. So is there there's not a physical Hall of Fame now, but there, you're going to be working to, to build one in the, the Coimbra Museum? Yes. Uh, as a matter of fact, last week, uh, you remember Nino Escalera, the first Negro who played with uh, Cincinnati, and uh, he was scout for the New York Mets a lot of years. And his son called me that he wanted to donate all the memorabilia of Nino Escalera. Oh, wow. Among that is a bat of uh, that they, the New York Mets gave all the people that worked for the New York Mets in 1969 when they won the World Series. And every name of, uh, you know, Seaver, Kuzman, Ryan, all those oh, guys yeah. aren't that bad. So that's he right. gave me that bad. And I, that, that's going to be the foundation. From that on, we're going to begin because there are a lot of things. Uh, today, you can get a lot of things of Puerto Rico and for a museum. We are not going to have a big museum, but we can, you know, alternate. Right. And I think, and the, the person that told me, why do you, you don't do a museum? Jeff Idelson. Who was the president? Yes, he's right. my friend. And he just told me, "You're not going to do museum." Well, I don't know. And he told me, and I'm sorry because I, I I wrote I read the history of Cooperstown, the Space Hall of Fame. He said we began with the little things, 1935, and little little, you know what's Cooperstown. So right. I said I'm going to do it, and I'm going Jeff. Uh, I'm going to uh, obey Jeff Idelson and do that for, for Puerto Rico. Let's see what, how, how far we go. That's awesome. I mean, starting small is, is how they get started. I mean, look at the Negro Leagues Museum now too. Yeah. That started very small as well. And, and now that's grown so much. And, uh, you know, there's lots of opportunity there. I, I, yeah, that's exciting. I can't wait to, to check it out one day. Yeah, I'm, I hope that you can come to Puerto Rico and this in our island, I know you're going to like it. And uh, when we have something more better prepared, uh, looking forward to your visit to Puerto Rico. I'm going to, I'm going to feel very happy to have you here. Puerto Rico. <laughs> that would be amazing. <laughs> yep. So uh, the, the Hall of Fame in Puerto Rico, does it focus more on the accomplishments of the candidates in Puerto Rico or in the U.S. or combined across all of their comp uh, contributions? No, only Puerto Rico. Okay. That's why we don't have, uh, for example, Bernie Williams is not in the Hall of Fame. Ivan Rodriguez is not in the Hall of Fame. Uh, Edgar Martinez is not in the Hall of Fame because there are a lot of ball players here who have better numbers in Puerto Rico that, 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 than them. On the other hand, we have Roberto Clemente. Roberto Alomar and Orlando Cepeda in, in, in the Puerto Rico Hall of Fame because they have good numbers in Puerto Rico. So we only consider the numbers in Puerto Rico. Yeah, that the the players in this first class that I'm looking at uh, really had some incredible numbers in Puerto Rico and many of them outside of Puerto Rico as well. So one of the things I want to talk about today was just about the players that are in the Hall of Fame. I don't think we'll get to all of them. Some of yeah. them pe people certainly know, like uh, Satchel Paige and, and Josh Gibson. We probably won't go too deep on those, but it will be nice to hear about what they did in, in Puerto Rico as well. But starting with that first class, like Roberto Clemente, uh, everybody knows who he is, just an absolute legend in the game. But people might not know that he spent 15 seasons also playing in Puerto Rico as well and was a 324 hitter there. Uh, and a batting champ as well. Any uh, great stories about his time playing in his native island? Yeah, he played with Santurce, Caguas, and San Juan. He managed San Juan twice. Uh, he was signed by Pedrin Sorrilla, the, the same that signed uh, uh, Orlando Cepeda. 
and Juan Pizarro, Rubén Gómez, all those Puerto Ricans. And uh, he began with Santos in 1952. His first manager was Buster Clarkson. Mm -hmm. And uh, he had a great career. His best years was with Santuse, but he was a man that uh, he, wa he wanted to do that uh, sports city. And he liked, he loved to do clinics when he was in Puerto Rico mm -hmm. in the winter. Um, you know that last December was the 50th anniversary of his death. Of his death. So uh, Roberto Clemente was Roberto Clemente. He has got good numbers. And he was in that first class, his widow, as a matter of fact, his widow, Vera, was there, and she signed me a ball. I have it. Oh, wow. And, and she signed me the ball, and Orlando Cepeda, who is also in the first class, signed me the ball, and big, big power, Victor Payet. Yes, uh, also in the first class. Uh, let, let's uh, talk about Orlando Cepeda, because, boy, he, he had some great numbers in, in <laughs> on the island as well. I, don't, I just don't think I realized, like, all these years I've been following these players and learning about Orlando Cepeda. I just never truly realized like that he was playing baseball year round. It was, it's almost every year. It's, it's kind of amazing that there's like this second career that these players had and it's just a whole different world. <clears throat> so he was an MVP twice uh, in Puerto Rico. Um, any great stories about Cepeda? Well, Cepeda, um, you know that he was not healthy. He had uh, knee problems. And, uh, but Cepeda is the only Puerto Rican with three, three, 300 plus lifetime batting average and 500 plus slugging. And there are only four in the league. Wheeler Brown, Orlando Cepeda, Bob Thurman, and Buster Clarkson. So to me, for me, he's the best uh, offensive player from Puerto Rico in our league. And one of the best for uh, lifetime in Puerto Rico. Yeah. And one of the most interesting things too about uh, Orlando Cepeda is when you start to learn about him, you learn about his father and that he's, he's one that I want to spend some time on as well uh, because not as many people know him because uh, it was Perucho Cepeda. Uh, I forget his, his first name. Was it Jose? Pedro. Oh, it's Pedro. Pedro Perucho Cepeda, and he was a shortstop predominantly, yeah. I think, right? And uh, I was looking at his numbers in, in Puerto Rico, impressive numbers. And then I only read today, I was looking at Black Baseball Out of Season, which has uh -huh. a nice chapter on uh, the Puerto Rican League. And he was 32 when the league started. So that's missing all of his best seasons as well. Uh, but he was like hitting 400 early on. I, I think his his career average here is 337 in 13 years. And that brings him to like 45 years old or something. Uh, how good of a player was he? he? He has to be one of the very best players from our hemisphere that never did play in the U.S., right? Yeah. He he was, as you say, shortstop. And he was the first, he, was the, he, he won the backing title the first two seasons. And he, in the third season, he batted 400 plus playing first baseman, first base. So he's the only one, only Puerto Rican to bat 400 in two positions as a shortstop and as a first base. And the other one is Willard Brown, who did it as a second baseman, as an outfielder. So what happened with uh, Perucho Cepeda, he, he was his temper. He had a hot temper, but he received three invitations to go to the Negro Leagues. One was by uh, uh, Big Harris. Hmm. The other one was Clarence Palm for the New York Black Yankees hmm. and Alex Pompez. The most near, the nearest that he was to go to the United States was with Clarence Palm because when they, when I read the, the news, it said that he accepted to go to with Clarence Pond to, to, to the United States, but he didn't go. He, I, I doubt that he could deal with the racism and uh, segregation in the United States with that temper. You know, he was very, very, you know, he liked to fight and uh, you, you don't want to mess with him. Mm -hmm. uh, he was a big man, 5'10 for that time. Right. And uh, Juan Benet, the Venezuelan uh, writer, who yesterday or today, and 96 years old, 94, once said that the, 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 law, the biggest 
home run that he saw in Venezuela was bad by Perucho Cepeda. And Perucho was good in Venezuela. Perucho was good in Dominican Republic. He didn't go to Cuba nor Mexico, but he was part of the, man, the team of the Trujillo. Yes. Sacha Page, Joshua Gibson, all those all-stars. He was the only Puerto Rican that staff and that edition of the Ciudad Trujillo. So imagine to be a shortstop and, and bat fourth in that time, because you see shortstop today that there are, you know, bat four, but the fourth position, but in that time, there were few of them who, who were uh, uh, batting in that, in that position in the lineup. And he, you know what the Austin Smith did? The round, mm-hmm. he did it in the 30s. <laughs> when he, 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 he began, uh, they told me that uh, when he batted a double, he knew that the ball, you know, double, triple, he got to first base, to the first base, doing the, the, the star, you know, until he arrived to the, the, the first base. And then he began running to second base. Oh, so gosh. similar what Austin Smith did did in, in his career. He was a Pinterest, you know. Oh, that, that's that's amazing. Somersaults on the way to hitting uh, a triple. That's that's wild. <laughs> yeah. Oh my goodness. Yeah, I, I I'm just so intrigued by him because you know now you know I've known about the AL and NL my whole life, and now learning more about the Negro leagues and just always curious about like who's the best player that like isn't part of these leagues and you got to look at Perucho Cepeda as one of the best who never came into the U.S. along with like Sadahar O for example would be another one that that oh, uh, Sadaharo, yeah yeah maybe maybe Adam in the future I, I don't know if I'm going to see it but uh maybe the Hall of Fame in Cooperstown has a wing for these Latino players who didn't go to the Negro Leagues there are a lot there are a few of them uh, all the world stars in their, their country or other countries, or you know, in Latin America, like Coimbre, uh, Tetelo Vargas, Alejandro Holmes, you know, mm-hmm. there are a lot of them that were great stars in, in the Caribbean, and maybe they, they're going to have their recognition in Cooperstown. Yeah, I was looking even at the list of Negro Leaguers that came before the Puerto Rican League officially started in 1938. And I, I guess I, I we, we knew about uh, jo- uh, Joshua Gibson because we talked about him on, on the episode of Negro Leaguers of Puerto Rico, where he had several seasons before uh, 1938 that he came over. But I didn't realize like Ramon Bragania is another one that I think is a really interesting player who played all over. Um, mm-hmm. Vargas, Vargas, we mentioned, and we will talk about Vargas in the future because he is in the Hall of Fame uh, in Puerto Rico. Uh, just uh, it, there were so many incredibly talented players from all over that came to this one league. And it, it's it's fascinating to see what the, some of these rosters look like. Yeah. The other day you put in, the, in your Twitter account the, a, a picture about Santulce. <laughs> Santulce 50-51. You said, this is a team. This is a great team, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Those Santulce teams, 50-53 and 54, they're great teams. We're great teams. Yeah, just reading about like... Uh, Guayama, who had like, I was reading Perucho. I don't know if he was in the outfield later on because they said yeah. it was an outfield of Perucho Cepeda, Alejandro Ohms, and Tatella Vargas all in one outfield. And that just, that's like an outsider baseball fan's dream outfield, like three players of clear Hall of Fame talent who will never get near the Hall of Fame because of the interesting career paths that they were forced to take, essentially. And uh, there's a, a ball player, Desiderio de Leon. He has 96 years old, and he was the bad boy of Guayama. And I went with Desiderio to the park where they play, in Acalimano, in Guayama. And I took a video, and he explained position by position what every, every uh, ball player did. And he said that Perucho had a strong arm, and he could go very deep, almost in the left field, throw to first and, and make the out. And he talked about such a page when he, such a page where he lived in the, in, the, in the, the La Plaza in Guayama. And he came surrounded by, by people. They accompanying uh, a satchel to the park. And when he came to the park, he went to the stands and he said hello to everyone and then went to the dugout. 
So all this, the, the, these uh, stories, uh, Satchel of Perucho, Tetelo, Tetelo, as a matter of fact, uh, married a Puerto Rican uh, woman, and he is buried in Guayama. Yeah, and he's that's... he's from Dominican Dominican Republic, and the ballpark, one of the best ballparks over there, is has his name. So uh, we love Tetelo Vargas, and he was very we appreciate, and uh, he worked, he you know he lived his last years, many years in Puerto Rico, and he's buried in Guayama. Yeah, he's one that you know when we added the numbers to Baseball Reference, all of a sudden, <laughs> the all-time single-season home run leader was a player named Tetelo Vargas. And I was like, mm-hmm. huh, that's mm. that's interesting. So that's he's one of the, the the players that I ended up learning a lot about the Negro Leagues through because of the, the the schedules that they played and whatnot and what actually causes him to be the all-time single season uh, batting average record holder. And uh, it's just a few points ahead of Josh Gibson from the same year. And, you know, it he was only there for... A few years. Well, actually, in fact, in the U.S., I think about half the time that he was in the U.S., it was with non-league teams. He was in on, uh, uh, I think he might have been part of the Cuban House of David team, too. But there were mm-hmm. several teams that weren't a part of the seven Negro Leagues that are that are considered major today. And he was considered in 2006 with Coimbra, Francisco Coimbra, to the Hall of Fame. You know that special election mm-hmm. that 17 Negro Leagues were inducted. He was con- he was in the ballot uh, in the first stage. Right. Yeah, the preliminary the, ballot. Where the preliminary. I think- then yeah, but they didn't have. I think they didn't have the enough uh, years to be considered because Coimbra uh, four years, Tetelo the same more or less. Mm-hmm. But they have in those four years or the the time they were in the Negro Leagues, they were good. Right. I, that's who I wanted to talk about next is Pancho Coimbra, because he's very similar to Pedro Cepeda, where he is one of the best players to ever come from the island. But we actually did get a glimpse of him in the Negro Leagues. He did play there for four years and he was great. <laughs> so yeah, it, he, it, it, it shows that he, it translates to, to the U.S. as well. Yeah, he, he batted. He was good every, everywhere. Dominican mm-hmm. Republic. He was good in Venezuela. He was good in Mexico. Uh, he was good in the Negro Leagues and in Puerto Rico, of course. And uh, three years in a row, he didn't have he didn't strike out. It, it blows my mind hearing about that. Three years in a row, he did not strike out. Now these were, of course, these seasons were were shorter, but still, we're talking like 150, 200 at bats a year, and he's not striking out at all. It's just absolutely amazing. Yeah, and uh, there's a story. That Sachin Page uh, sat down all the all fielders and the infielders, mm-hmm. and they told me the story was that he sat in Puerto Rico, in Puerto Rico, because I think in Pittsburgh he sat every sat down everyone, but in Puerto Rico he sat down the outfielders until Coimbra came to at bat. When Coimbra <laughs> came at bat, stand up, and I, that that was I I uh, got that history from persons that were that day in the park. So. Mm-hmm. He was a tremendous batter, and uh, everybody remembers Coimbre because Coimbre played all his life with Ponce. Mm-hmm. Different to, to Perucho Cepeda, who played in six teams. So no, uh, no city claims him, you know, right. as, as, as Coimbre, that, because if uh, Perucho Cepeda would have played with Ponce, he would have more recognition. It almost seems like that adds to the mystique of Perucho Cepeda, where it's like he doesn't belong to, to any one place. He doesn't belong to any one league. It's really just so interesting. Uh, like he's just this amazing player that goes under the radar because of that. And yeah, and you know something that uh, we're thinking that you never, it's very strange or weird that father and son are superstars mm-hmm. almost every you know one is better than the other in this case every time you make an all-star in puerto rico or the century or all-star team sure stop is perucho cepeda first baseman is orlando cepeda no discussion and that's very very uh that's not you know you don't see that often i cannot imagine because you know barry bonds was 
very good. Bobby Bones was good. Uh, Ken Griffey the- Jr. <laughs> Ken Griffey Jr. was very right. good. Ken Griffey was good. But this, this Cepeda, you don't know which one was better, better than the other. There were two superstars. Yeah, I was thinking that the Bonds were the the, the pair that I went for to first because I think I think Bobby Bonds is probably pretty close to a Hall of Fame level, but but yeah, the the Cepeda is just it's 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 wild to to see a father son that successful. Mm-hmm. Uh, so those are the the six from the the clap. No wait, we skipped we skipped two. Oh my gosh, I'm going. I'm, I wanted to talk about the the Thunder Twins that I shared the other day on Twitter as well. Uh, Willard Brown and Bob Thurman. Uh, just Willard this Brown is, is this is where the amazing. home runs came from in in uh, <laughs> in Santorce. Yeah, and people people were crazy about Willard Brown, and people wanted to touch him, man. And he was so loved, so admired, and uh, the relationship that he had with Pedrin Sorrilla that took care of him as he took care of Josh Gibson. And Pedrin took care of all of those Negro Leaguers. Uh, but Willard Brown, first in batting average, 350, 604 slugging. Twice he won the Triple Crown, won MVP. Amazing, you know. I think, I think Bob Thurman, that is in that class, is almost like him, but... Uh, as what happened with Lugeri and Babe Ruth, mm-hmm. you know, that Lugeri was always the, the shadow of, of Babe Ruth. That happened with Bob Thurman, who was more, in, you say, intro, introvert? Mm-hmm. Introvert. And Wheeler Brown was more extrovert. Right. But uh, that one too, there, there never has been a, in our league one too, like uh, Wheeler Brown and Bob Thurman. Bob Thurman is... 120 almost. He's the home run leader lifetime, and he won uh, almost 40 games as a pitcher. Right. the 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 pitching numbers surprised me too, and, and uh, I was also surprised to see uh, Silvio Garcia, who was a was a pitcher in in Puerto Rico as well. well. I guess he was a pitcher in a few different places, but yeah, I yeah. Initially missed that part of his career, but coming back to to Brown and Thurman, so. I th- think people know Willard Brown, but Bob Thurman, I think we need to spend some time on too, because he was only in the Negro leagues for a short period of time. He hit really well there. He was only mm-hmm. in the major uh, AL and NL for a few years as well. He was, he had a, a an OPS plus of a hundred, which is like league average, but we also have to remember this was age 38 to 42. He was an old man at this point and he was yeah. still a league average hitter. But every year he was in Puerto Rico and he's the, is he the all-time home run leader? Yes, he is. 120. 120 and an RBI too, 566. That's right. 566. (laughs) So, so, you know, you know, but what happens with Bob Thurman is that people mention more Wheeler Brown, but but I think Bob Thurman, you know, that combination of outfielder and uh, pitch pitcher, that's great. And that team of 1954 had a Roberto Clemente left field, Willie Mays in center field, and Bob Thurman right field. Imagine. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. And the, the fourth outfielder was Luis Olmo, who played with the Dodgers. You know him? <laughs> yes. And when, when Thurman pitched, it was Olmo in the right field. So the three of them catch, field the ball, basket. Clemente, oh, wow. Mays, and Olmo. Well, that's even better than uh, Cepeda, Vargas, and Ohms. There we go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, you know, uh, Thurman deserves more attention, uh, more recognition. And I think, uh, you correct me, I think he was the one that signed Johnny Bench with, for Cincinnati. I heard something about that. Ooh, he I'm was not sure. For, yeah. He was scout for Cincinnati. I think he, he was the one responsible for signing Johnny Bench. Wow. So Just, I, I, uh, yeah, he he was a great baseball man, and he kept he kept coming to Puerto Rico after he retired. And the last time he came was in 1991 for his induction. Mm-hmm. I I think what's 
I, ha I have to say that one of the players that I've been drawn to the most when learning about Puerto Rican baseball is Bob Thurman, because I, you see glimpses of it in his career in the U.S. You see glimpses of a superstar, you know, whether it's his stats when he was older in, in the American League and National League, or if you see just the, the little bit of time that he spent in the Negro Leagues. But here, it with the stats that we have for the Puerto Rican League, and we can see, like, how well other players do in this league. We know that Roberto Clemente was a 324 hitter in 15 seasons in, in Puerto Rico. Well, we know that Bob Thurman was a, a 313 hitter in 12 seasons, and he is the all-time home run leader. So this that says something about the type of player that he was. Yeah, every time I, I talk about all these Negro leaguers, I have to mention, it's a shame, you know, imagine Bob Thurman in his, in his youth, mm. with the age of maybe uh, Frank Robinson. Right. Uh, with the opportunity to play in the big leagues young. Can you imagine that all those players, Willa Brown, uh, John Ford Smith, Artie Wilson, Lucius Easter, and the list is so goes on and on. And, you know, it's, it makes, it's a shame and it makes me sad because mm. we, so, so much they have done in those, uh, those in the low and the big leagues. It, it's so true. And the thing is with these players, like with the, the smaller amounts of data that we have, you can see it. You can see the type of player that they were. I, you know, Buster Clarkson is another, I would put on that list. Uh, Silvio Garcia is another, there's so many to tell Vargas would be another one as well, just to see like what, you know, in many cases, well, in all cases, really, these players have passed on, but it doesn't mean that their their legacy needs to. So I, it's what's exciting yeah. to me is all this research that has been happening lately related to the Negro Leagues is also extending beyond the Negro Leagues into these uh, uh, leagues in Latin America and you know, all over the place, really. And it allows us to understand now that we're seeing this data in one place or and, and still in a few places, just the type of players that these were. And, and like, like you said, like Perucho Cepeda was one of the, he, he was a hall of fame level player. Pancho Coimbra was hall of fame level player. And it's, it feels good to learn about them and be able to share something about them. Yeah. You have a good point. And uh, people like you uh, and so many others that in this past three years have done a great job talking about New York leaguers, not only in the United States, in the Latin America. And I think it's going to get better and better and keep doing what we are doing. Uh, so these more players get their recognition and there's so much to learn. Mm -hmm. Even, you know, me that I'm 20 years, 22 years investigating and every day I, I learn something new and uh, every day I appreciate more our baseball and all those players that came to Puerto Rico. And we, I have identified 217 of them who play in the Negro Leagues and in Puerto Rico already. I don't think it's gonna go more, but uh, we have that the list in, in the webpage. And we, three years ago, we didn't have it. Right. So, so we have done a lot. Uh, and we, are, we have done a lot uh, regarding Latin America. And of course, uh, baseball reference. And Siemens, for the other, on the other hand, you know, have done, you haven't click any at, at any time of the day. So we are learning a lot of what they did in Puerto Rico, Cuba, Mexico, Venezuela, Dominican Republic. But we're learning a lot what they did in the, in the Negro Leagues and the United States. Absolutely. And it, it, that is the only way to tell a more complete story about their career. Like you can't talk about Willard Brown without understanding the type of player he was in Puerto Rico. In fact, his Hall of Fame plaque, you said, is a, a Santorce hat, right? No, we we were waiting. I was with the daughter of, of Willard Brown um, waiting on the plaque at 6 o'clock that Sunday. And we were praying that he came uh. out with the cap of Santorce. He, went, he came with the Kansas City Monarchs. But every year in the, the annual, annual, annual book, Mm -hmm. of the Hall of Fame that they send you to do, to your house, he, he's with the Santurce. Oh, okay. That's what Jersey. I'm and, you know, and 
the the facts that are, that are in the play about Puerto Rico, I gave them to to the Hall of Fame. Now, oh, that awesome. part of Puerto Rico, yeah, I I, I talked with Jeff Eilerson and said Jeff he did this in Puerto Rico, and they were so nice to include that information in his plays. So uh, I remember that day, 2006, was Raymond Brown there that his son is identical to Raymond Brown, identical, <laughs> and uh, yeah, and it was a very very great day, but I never imagined that it was going to be like that in 2023, 22, you know, when all this we have talking about and writing and investigating. So that was a great year to, for Negro leaders. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I wish I could have been a part of that too. That sounds amazing. Yeah, it was good. So we just talked about six absolute superstars uh, from from the the Puerto Rican League who also branched out into other leagues as well. But uh, the next player I had on my list, I did not know very much about him at all, but was interested to find out that he is the all-time leader in the Puerto Rican League in hits, doubles, runs, and total bases. That's Luis Marquez. Tell me about Luis Marquez. He played one. He played ninety-nine games, I think, in the National League, and and that that's all that we have there. Um, in the Negro Leagues, he he uh, just had a couple of seasons, but he was an All Star a couple of seasons uh, at age twenty and twenty-two, I think it was. But mm-hmm. uh, tell me about Luis Marquez. He had oh, a God. long career in the in Puerto Rico. In Puerto Rico, we call him Canena Marquez. Luis Canena Marquez. Canena is a nickname of his mother. And they call him Canena uh, too. Canena uh, was the first black player signed by the Yankees. Mm-hmm. He didn't play with the Yankees, but he was the first black player. And he was good in AAA, AA, organized baseball in the United States. A very good career. I think what Luis Olmo told me was that he played too much with the people of the stand. He made too much attention. And I did read that, yeah. <laughs> yeah, he paid too much attention what they say to him, and he didn't have that, you know, to get to the big leagues. But he was very talented, and uh, he uh, and all, all with all these things that are happening, they're mentioning more uh, Luis Canina Marquez when he ten years ago at his anniversary of his death, I made a ceremony and brought him flowers to his grave in Aguadilla. And I um, I remember I wrote to Sean Foreman now, hey, he's buried here. And I sent him a picture of the, of the you know, more exact uh, information of Luis Marquez. And uh, he, the ballpark of Aguadilla has his name. And, um, and he's well, he's remembered, but not as much as I would like. Mm-hmm. We have to work on Canena Marquez too. Just to share some numbers, uh, he played 20 seasons in Puerto Rico, batted 300. I mentioned all of those all-time records that he holds. A lot of those are because he played more than everybody else, but he was still a very good player who won an MVP and a batting title. And I mentioned he was in the Negro Leagues from age 20 to 22, was an all-star twice, hit over 300, 124 OPS plus, great player. And then he went... You see this too often about players who made the jump. He played 99 games, didn't hit well, and then he never got a chance again. But in 1,500 games in the minor leagues, he hit well over 300 with a a slugging percentage over 450. And you have to think that a player who does that year after year in the minors should have gotten another chance. But you see that way too often especially since the the major leagues at the time, it was only 16 teams. So I understand that a lot of, there weren't as many opportunities, but he seems like a player that should have made the cut. Yeah. And there was, besides those 16 teams, there was a lot of talent Mm -hmm. from the Negro leagues. Yes. And you you have, you know, you have to Jackie Robinson, uh, Nari Dobby, and then comes Mays and Aaron and all those guys, Newcomb. It was very difficult for uh, to for a Negro player, even for the white players, because we had a program, and you, we said in that program that after the Negro leaders came to the big leagues, 
they kept they won almost every award right. in the big leagues you know uh, uh, talking about Riz Marquez I found this is interesting 1946 there was a uh, a series between Cuba and Puerto Rico and Oreste Miñoso Mini Miñoso came to Puerto Rico in that team and they uh, told uh, Marquez Canena Marquez you hey you want to run against um, Miñoso for a hundred yard dash <laughs> and he said okay and he won he defeated Mini Miñoso I have wow. the photo I have the photo I got the photo I'm gonna mean I'm gonna do an article about it but and he defeated Mini Miñoso clearly wow so he was very fast he and did steal 217 bases in Puerto Rico, second all time. That's impressive. Yeah, so that's another story that is untold about the day that Canina Marquez defeated the great Cuban Comet. This is great. I, I love learning more about these players. I can already tell we're not going to get through all four classes today. So we're going to do a couple programs, I'm sure, to, to do this because I have another one I want to talk about who I knew he played in the major leagues. But seeing his career in Puerto Rico absolutely blew my mind. Ruben Gomez, listen to some of these numbers 29 seasons, 174 and 119. He's the all time leader in wins, all time leader in innings, second in strikeouts and shutouts, had a 2.97 ERA. Combined with his major league career and other places that he played, over 400 professional wins. If you include like the playoffs uh, as well. Uh, unbelievably long career. Uh, tell me about Ruben Gomez. Well, Ruben Gomez is an icon in Puerto Rico. And he uh, he was the number one in that pitching staff of Santulce for so many years. Mm -hmm. And Santulce, we have, uh, Santulce had a rivalry with uh, San Juan, like Boston and the Yankees. Mm -hmm. And Ruben Gomez loved to pitch against someone because he said that they yell so many bad things to him that that make him made him a better pitcher. And that's why he dominated someone so many times. And uh, there are three pitchers, native pitchers from Puerto Rico, from play for Santuso. The first one, he was a New York legal, Luis Raúl El Tigre Cabrera, Luis Rafael El Tigre Cabrera. Then came Ruben Gomez, and then came Juan Pizarro. Those three, all three great. Talking about Sandy Kufak, Don Drysdale, and put another one in that list in that group. You know, there were three great pitchers, and the three coin, the three uh, pitch with Santuse at the same time. You know, they coincided. There's uh, coincided with uh, some years because Cabrera was older. Ruben Gomez, the first that Negro Latino to start a World Series game, right? The New York Giants. That's another fact that no people say a lot in Puerto Rico. He was the first Puerto Rican in the World Series. No, he was the first Black Latino to uh, start a game in the World Series. That's another yeah. thing. Yeah, that's it's such a long career i i was i was blown away it's like a cross between <laughs> sandy koufax and jamie moyer he had the the career yeah. length of of jamie moyer yeah. but he dominated the records like like a koufax he was the mvp in 51 52 uh i i i enjoyed learning about him through this process and you mentioned the the next player i want to talk about juan pizarro who Oof. was kind of similar another 22 seasons 157 wins his ERA was about a half a run below Gomez too. So it looks like, I don't know, maybe he's the Pedro of uh, Puerto Rico or something like that. He, he looked like he was quite the pitcher here. Yeah, I think that in my opinion, he was he's the best pitcher from Puerto Rico. Uh, besides what you, you said, uh, he won the triple crown, pitching triple crown. Mm -hmm. uh, he threw no hitter. Uh, yeah, he was good everywhere. Everywhere, Mexico, Puerto Rico, minor leagues, big leagues, and he was he had a he had a fastball. Or well, he's he's number one in strikeouts and number one in earn run average mm -hmm. and shutouts too. He's number one. So he had a, a lefty with so much speed, 
and very intelligent. I, I, I once was in in, in Howard and said, how, how do you do it with? He said, well, I concentrate in the first five batteries and the six, seven, eight, and nine, I just, you know, administrate my arm. So, and I prepare for the, again, for the first five, you know, and uh, they respect him so much. And there was a big admiration for Juan Pizarro who died last year, February last year. Oh, really? Yeah. What's what's amazing too is I, I read off all those numbers in Puerto Rico, and he also played 18 seasons in the major leagues with another 131 wins. So this is another pitcher who has 392 combined professional wins. And that type of workload is just unbelievable to think yeah. about. These pitchers just going year round. It's it's wild. Yes, you know, it's it's difficult to understand how could they do that. Mm-hmm. With no, 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 no harm to their arms, you know. You know they kept pitching and pitching and pitching, and they uh, nine innings, they complete games. Right. Ben Gomez, Juan Pizarro, all those pitchers from the, that era. Maybe because today everyone in the in the lineup bats. That those days, you know, that seven, eighth, and nine were outs was a little more but nevertheless it's amazing what they did mm-hmm. yeah i was gonna say he told us how he did it but he took the last four batters off and just kind of <laughs> coasted yeah, they, unbelievable he, this is what he said this is the, what he told me you know this is the, the, the thing that he did with the hand the, the last four he told me like that <laughs> that means that he went making a fest, yeah. and then i went he went to the first second third and fourth he was very every throw very hard yeah because we uh, because in that era you know that's uh shortstop and second baseman were defensive mm-hmm. players so uh, and then you have the pitcher batting right and he was great batting too yeah he was he against, I, I didn't yeah, even look yeah. at uh, his batting pizarros yeah but he was he and ruben gomez and ruben gomez was a good center field sometimes he substituted willie mays in the center field oh wow <laughs> Yeah, he was a uh, Ruben Gomez was a good athlete. He was a good golfer, and he was an athlete in the University of Puerto Rico, and he finished his school in university, you know, four years in the University of Puerto Rico. So he was very, very intelligent and very prepared, and he was a great, great, great athlete. You know, he played center field, he played pitching, he batted a lot. He's a good offensive pitcher too, as Juan Pizarro. Juan Pizarro had a little more power. Mm-hmm. Wow. I just thinking about the pitcher with 392 wins, having a little more power. I'm, I'm, I'm in <laughs> awe of his abilities. Uh, so the last player from the first class uh, of 10 uh, is one that again, had a long career in, in Puerto Rico, but also a long career in, in the major leagues. And that's Vic power. Uh, tell us about Vic power and, and uh, yeah, his career in Puerto Rico. Vic Power could have have the best numbers in Puerto Rico, but if you look at his record, there are five years he didn't play. So imagine the numbers he put, almost 1,000, I think 988 hits, something like that. 988 hits. How many hits? You have have in the... the... Let's see. I don't have his hits number here, but I'll I'll load it up here. Yeah, it's but uh, 980, very close. 980, <laughs> 980. So, and he didn't he didn't play for five years, I think. Imagine right. how many hits he would have done have if he had played all those years. And he was uh, considered he is considered one of the base first best first baseman defensively. Mm-hmm. You know that Keith Hernandez, No Madly, B.Y. West Parker. You know those, those guys were good defensively. And he won seven gold gloves in the in the in the, in the big leagues. Right. And uh, he was uh, he didn't they didn't the Yankees didn't give him an opportunity. He was one of the top prospects for the New York Yankees, but they said that he was too flashy. They weren't, and they that's when they brought up uh, Elston Howard, mm-hmm. who was another type of person. Right. More silent. 
Vic Power, you know, he he was very flashy. He liked Cadillacs. He, being in the South, his girlfriends were white women. I've heard that about him. It seemed like yeah. that was a big deal. Uh, yeah. To, to the Yankees, too. And the Yankees and the, to the to the United States, you know, he was very, I don't know in English how you say that. He didn't be, you know, he, he was himself and he, mm. he suffered a lot, but he wasn't going to be uh, dominated by that uh, racism that it was in the States in that time. And he was always that, that uh, like that. And he was very funny and he always making jokes. That's a big joke that um, he went to a restaurant and then came the lady and, and, and the lady said, we don't serve and not the end name. And he said, "No, I don't want to. I don't want to eat and name. I want to rice and beans." <laughs> you, so you know, everything was a joke for him. Yeah. And he and uh, you know who was crazy with him? Uh, Gene Autry. He was yeah, because when they they trade him to California, imagine Hollywood, Anaheim. You know all that. Oh yeah. And he um, and that and that style that's li- lifestyle was appropriate for Big Power. You know. He was very flashy, flower uh, shirts, those big hats, Pamela hats, uh, uh, big cars. And in Puerto Rico, he was a great uh, ball player. As a matter of fact, he won a batting title as a third baseman, as a first baseman. And when he won the, uh, the one that he won as a first baseman, he was also the manager and won the championship. Oh, wow. Yep. So he was, he was a very, I, I knew him very well. As a matter of fact, I was the last one that saw him in the hospital. Mm-hmm. I went with the son of Pedrin Sorrilla and uh, I, I was very friend of him and he was very, very flat, you know, very intelligent. Mm-hmm. And he liked to read and he liked photograph, take photograph. He always was with his camera. I remember one time that I went to a restaurant and he was with his, his wife and son i didn't i i didn't i said hello but from you know at distance when i saw him the next time he said hey come here say tell me i said why don't you go to my table to tell to say me hello tell me and say hello i said well you were with your wife and your kid it doesn't matter you're my friend that's that's what big that was big power you know yeah and i went to the hospital when he it was in San Pablo Hospital in Bayamón, and uh, talked with him. We were there about an hour and a half, and then he died. But it was a, a great guy, a great ball player. He he made uh, jokes, the same joke every time because when he went to the park, everyone gathered around him. He was scout for the California Angels, and he made the same jokes every part. Hmm. And he made it this as it was the first time, <laughs> you know. And he laughed as the same as he was the first time that he told the, the joke. He was a character, you know, a great guy, a great guy. I remember him. And uh, uh, there's a story that he did that I laugh a lot. Pedro Ramos uh, struck struck out Ted Williams with the bases loaded, and Pedro Ramos went to to, to Ted Williams, Mr. Williams, Mr. Williams. Sign me the ball, sign me the ball. And Ted Williams signed him the ball. It was a series. The other day, uh, same situation. They bring Pedro Ramos, and this time Ted Williams hit a grand slam. When Ted Williams was running, by passed by first base, they said, go look for that ball to sign it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's great. <laughs> go look for that ball to sign it too. You know, uh, in, 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 he made so many jokes and stories about that, and you enjoy it. <laughs> oh, that's great. I can totally <laughs> see Ted doing that, too. Amazing. <laughs> yeah. So, as I feared, I knew we would talk about these players in depth. Um, so, maybe what I'll do is I'll pivot, and instead of talking about the next three classes, I'm going to ask you about this 2022 class. How did this... Uh, how did the, the the new class come together? Like, what what was the process to to choose these? Uh, how big is the the twenty twenty two class? It's it's another eight, eight candidates. Eight, yeah. What happens is that we had in two thousand fourteen, we, we the league 
choose the best 75 world players of all time. So I took that list and subtract the ones that were already in the Hall of Fame. Mm -hmm. And that, those were the nominated. And then I, the, system, the system that I used was 75% as Cooperstown. We have, uh, we have uh, a group of 20 writers, some of them uh, from ESPN, Puerto Ricans who work with ESPN, and about five of them working, with, and three of them both BBWA, are from the BBWA, Puerto Ricans. Uh, and uh, the other ones were local writers. And we have a special committee of four to those voted for all the candidates before 1938. Mm -hmm. So we separated uh, 38 ball players, 38 from, from 1938 to the present. And that four committee, special committee, voted for pre-1938, uh, and also the, they, they voted for the managers, executive, writers, and forecasters, you know, the ones mm -hmm. that announced the, the games. Right. And that's, and that's what we, how we got eight. Uh, and there are, there are a few of, of Negro leaders in that list nominated. I tell you, Fernando Diaz-Pedroso, uh, Johnny Davis is there, John Ford Smith, is that in that list too? There are two or three Negro leaguers uh, in that list, and I hope that in the near future they are in the Hall of Fame. Yeah, the the players that did make it in, uh, there's there's definitely going to be some familiar names for uh, modern fans. Even uh, Jose Cruz is one that stood out to me right away. Uh, he was another one that I learned uh, through your baseball one on one on one site that he had a entirely separate twenty one year career in Puerto Rico with a 295 mm -hmm. average, 119 home runs with that one behind uh, uh, Bob Thurman, Thurman. <laughs> and another 152 stolen bases. Um, and of course he had a, a fantastic career in the, I think it was all, all or mostly national league with, with the Astros where he had 2,251 hits and, and, uh, two silver sluggers and, and 165 home runs there over 300 steals. So just, uh, it's interesting when you see like, Jose Cruz, who's on the cusp of being a Hall of Famer, mm -hmm. not quite probably, but he's right there with some of the candidates. But then <laughs> he has this whole other career that you could consider as well. And it's it's really quite remarkable. Uh, and then yeah. Mike, Mike Cuellar, too. Um, uh, yeah. Jose Santiago, who uh, is, a, is a big one uh when I was growing up, I loved learning about the 1967 Red Sox. So Jose Santiago had a huge year for them. Uh, Juan Beniquez as well. So, um, yeah, we can we can talk about Cruz. We can talk about Cuellar. Yeah, Cruz. And I heard you. I think I the first person I heard about Cruz, oh, the Hall of Fame, was you. And uh, he, modern metrics helps mm -hmm. Jose Cruz. Yes. There wasn't war. He's not a Hall of Famer, but when you get that war, and he is has a good war, and there are a few of them that he's right besides, let's say Oreste Minoso. He has more or less the same war as Oreste Minoso, and he was a good player. He's not so famous, but right. he's but war. The modern metrics benefits him. A lot, and and they call him then Puerto Rico. They know he is known as the El Pelotero de Puerto Rico, the ball player of Puerto Rico. Because besides, no matter what he did in the big leagues, he always came and played in Puerto Rico. Yeah, the like I said, the twenty one seasons. It was amazing to see that whole second resume. And I will say that one of the reasons why he does so well with war is that war adjusts for the ballpark. And he spent so much time in the Astrodome, which was a terrible place to hit. And he was one of the few people that hit really well there. So it really helps his uh, offensive numbers, uh, like an OPS plus of 120. That's, that's remarkable for a long season, like a uh, long career like that, especially a player with, with speed, like he had and power. 
Yeah. So he's he's just a very underrated player who did a little bit of everything, which mm-hmm. those players tend to be underappreciated as well. But but war tends to to let people know that, hey, we forgot about a good one here. This is a good player. So I'm glad that uh, you were able to to honor him in, in this class. He's very humble. He works with the Houston Astros. And uh, he's a very humble person. He was very happy. People love him over here in Puerto Rico. You know, everyone you have, every, every every person has one piece of him, and uh, he 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 enjoys being with the fans. You know, always he he has always been like that, and his brothers too, Haiti Cruz and uh, Tommy Cruz, who play in Japan, uh, and the three of them once played with the San San Luis Cardinals in the spring spring game. Three outfielders. Oh wow! Yeah, but uh, but in the official game, only the Alu brothers. Mm-hmm. But those three, the three Cruz brothers, play in a spring spring game, and uh, he was very happy. And he had a marvelous career, and he's the only one in Puerto Rico with over one home, a uh, hundred homers, and a hundred uh, stolen bases. Oh. So that's 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 a uh, power speed. Yeah. I I feel like uh, you know I'm gonna save the other classes uh, for another another chat because I don't want to keep you all night. But boy, I'll tell you, there's a lot of names in these other classes as well that people are gonna know. We've got you know Milito Navarro. We've got Tatelo Vargas. We've got Pedro Zaria. Uh, we've got Leon Day, who's in the Hall of Fame. We've got uh, Artie Wilson, Satchel Page, Raymond Brown, Josh Gibson, uh, Tony Perez. So many players to talk about, but I'm going to save that for a- another time because I've taken a-, a lot of your time. But I really appreciate it, and I always love learning from you about this. I'm very grateful for all the your 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 help and all the interest that you have in Puerto Rico baseball history. So. Thank you so much, and uh, looking forward to keep working with you, uh, all this project that we have, and next month we're going to have our, another chapter of New York Leagues in Puerto Rico. So thank you so much, Alan, for, for your interest in our, our history. I appreciate it. Thank you. How can people uh, follow the work that you're doing? I, I can tell them to follow you on Twitter, at Colon Delgado. Yeah. Um, and Negro Leaguers in PR. Uh, dot com is one of the sites and baseball 101 yeah. is another anything else that they can uh, do to follow baseball the work? one yeah baseball 101 uh in spanish baseball so use, spanish. use google translate though it still it works very well no but the, the, the name of the the name of the web page right is, baseball in spanish yeah, yes. baseball in spanish baseball 101.com because baseball in english was taken so i couldn't <laughs> use it and uh they can go to the in facebook to the there's a page of Salón de la Fama del Baseball Profesional Puerto Riqueño. And every day I put something of, of our inductees. And we're going to have, uh, this year, we're going to make a web page in English and Spanish. So we have a lot of work to do, but I, I'm very happy with all the things that have, are happening with baseball in Puerto Rico. Excellent. Jorge, thank you so much again for taking the time. And I look forward to doing this soon uh, with our other series as well. Thank you, Adam. Take care.